Your thinking matters is what we began last week. So this was supposed to be part two, but it's going to be part one and two together again. We're going to do a review of last week and um, we're going to get right into this. So we said last week that the number one reason your thinking matters is because your mind is the control center of your life. I'm going to be brief, but last week we began to talk about the tripart being of man. That you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now your soul is what I call the seen man of the heart. Where did I get that term from? I got a term from First Peter. I piggybacked off of what he said. First Peter says, the apostle Peter says, that the spirit, the inner man, is the hidden man of the heart. The new King James says the hidden person of the heart, inner man, inner person, whatever. And so if the spirit man is a hidden person of the heart, then that means the soul is the seen man of the heart. And that's where we see your personality. That's where your mind and your emotions and your will is expressed in this three dimensional world. Do you get that? And the mind, what you think, is the control center of your life. So even though people are born again, they do sinful things to make them look like sinners, though they're not sinners. Because their mind has not been renewed. And this is why the Apostle Paul emphasized over and over that we should renew our mind. He said it more than once. People just quote um, Romans 12, but he also said it again in Ephesians. And then in other places, the Bible talks about the mind. Amen. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The, the word heart, depending on the context, is talking about the spirit or the soul. All right? So you got to determine. And so when the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, thinks in his soul, so is he. You are going to express what you really are on the inside outwardly. You see that? So your thinking is so important. This is why the devil wants to control your mind. Because you know, if I have your mind, I have your behavior. If I have your mind, I have your expressions. You ever seen somebody commit a crime and then afterwards they say, I don't know what happened. Because the devil was in their thinking. And then he released what he wanted to release on the earth through murder or something. Um, when you take an aspirin, right? People have taken aspirins before, right? <laughs> For a headache or fever or cold, whatever it is. When you take it, do you feel relief immediately? No. How long does it usually take for you to feel better? 25. About 35 minutes, 25 minutes. Yes. It's called time-released capsules or time-released medicine. It's the same thing with the mind. You can be putting something in your mind, putting something in your mind, taking money in your mind, and then at the moment that it's going to, that, it, that, it, that whoever is putting it in there needed to work is going to release something in the earth. So you have people putting all kinds of evil thoughts, 
in their mind, thinking about what somebody did against them, thinking about all the ways they've been hurt, all the pain, and then boom, next thing you know, they just killed somebody. It is a spirit of murder, but it's also wrong thinking. Because the devil can't get you to do something if you haven't been thinking about it. This is why in, in criminology, they call it pre-meditated murder. There's murder by impulse, but there's murder by thinking. So I had just watched uh, online, I don't know if anybody else saw, saw this on social media, where this young man, good-looking young man, and I say that for a purpose, people say, oh, why would I say good-looking? You know, because there's, there's a reason why I'm saying that. Good-looking young man, young man killed himself and his three kids. Anybody saw that online? You saw that? Three kids. He's in his, probably in his 20s, right? It was about 20s? Well, he's in his 20s, late 20s. Because the, was it his wife or his girlfriend? The mother of his children, who he was involved with, cheated on him and gave him an STD. So he went online right before he did it and said, I'm going to, you, why did you start? He's crying, he's upset. Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you cheat on me? Why'd you sleep with the other man? Whatever she, whatever she did. And he says, that's it. Now you're going to see. And he ended up killing his three kids and himself. That's the devil. But I saw also a man, and he, didn't look, he wasn't crazy, but a man who's been meditating on the wrong things. Because ain't nobody, somebody say nobody, <laughs> worth my life. Nobody. Except Jesus, if he calls me tomorrow to do. But thank God he's not. Hallelujah. But nobody, no woman, no man, no kids, nobody. And why would you kill your seed? That's called, this is why the Bible speaks very carefully about this. It's called idolatry. You made a woman that important to you. The Bible, we don't talk enough about idolatry. People idolize people, they idolize money, they idolize cars, they idolize organizations. You are to idolize no one but God. Amen? Amen? Can we rejoice and clap for that? Come on. So your thinking has got to be right because it's controlling your life. Now, you may say, well, I'm not going to do something that extreme. Yeah, but it's not always the extreme things that take you out. The Bible says the little foxes spoil the vine. Amen? Amen? The little foxes spoil the vine. So don't always look for big things, like I just said. I just use that for dramatic purposes. But sometimes it's the little things that you hold on to that can destroy you. Like the story I've told you many times about the woman who didn't forgive her husband and she was dying of cancer and the man of God, Jerry Seville, came and said, I have your answer. He doesn't know her. She's just a partner. They asked him to come because they knew he was going to be in town. This is the beginning of his ministry. And um, he said, Lord, what's going on? What do you want me to do? He said, the woman has not forgiven her husband. If she forgives him, she'll be healed. So he went there and said, the Lord said. He said, the woman was emaciated on, at death's door. And said, here's your answer. He said, forgive your husband. He didn't know what it was about. And she got up, wrestled that little skinny body and said, I will never forgive him. He cheated on me 25 years ago. 
And the man starts crying and sobbing. I told you, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. Next day, she's dead. The Lord gave an answer because of her unrenewed mind, because of the bitterness in her heart. She went into eternity when she could have still been on the planet. So it's not just the big things. Sometimes it's what you consider the little things that will destroy you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you better make sure your thinking is right. Every time I get up, I'm rejoicing. I don't hold nothing against nobody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't care. You ain't that important. Because if I hold something in my heart, that means you are, you, are, you are that important. Nobody is that important. Not my mother, not my dad, not my grandparents, not my family members, not my friends, not this church. Nobody's that important. For me to let bitterness grow in my heart and for me to lose out in life. Amen. The Bible says, he who will love life and see good days. Let him frame his tongue from speaking evil. You know how you frame your tongue from speaking evil? By changing your thinking. Because what's coming out of your mouth is a result of what's in your thinking and what goes down to your heart and it comes out of your mouth. It's called a heart and mouth connection. Hallelujah. What you want to do? If you want to examine yourself, Paul said that we should examine ourselves. Examine how you respond to things and you'll know whether your thinking is good or not. So when something happens, see what comes out of your mouth. Just start studying it. Different weeks, different days, different months, different years. Study yourself. So I've studied myself and I realize the word of God is inside of me. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do I know that? Because when certain things happen, the word comes out of me. I'm watching myself. If I saw that the word wasn't coming out of me, I'm like, oh, you've got to make an adjustment here. The word of God should, when, when something squeezes you, the word should come out. Like if you squeeze a sponge, what should come out? What should come out? Water, if you was putting water in it. Which, when you squeeze a sponge, whatever you put in it should come out of it. It'd be weird if you squeeze a sponge that has water and blood comes out. That would, that would be some kind of weird phenomena. It's not reality. If you put blood in the sponge, when you squeeze it, what's going to come out? Blood, right? If you poured milk in a sponge, what's going to come out of the sponge? Milk. Your brain is like a sponge. Whatever you're putting into it is going to come out of it. You see that? So it's very important that you understand your thinking matters. Somebody say, my thinking. My thinking. Matters. All right. So last week we said, number one, think destiny. We said, think destiny. We talked about the fact that you have a God has a plan and a purpose for your life that was already designed before you came to the planet. Somebody say, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm a person of divine design. Say it. I'm a person. Of divine design. I said this a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it. Your life wasn't made up when you got to the planet. It was made up before you got here. Amen. Your life was not created when you got to the planet. It was created before you got here. Now, your parents, the Bible says, you are a child. You're like arrows in your parents' hands. They sent you a certain direction. Sometimes, many times, 
parents don't put their kids in the direction of destiny. Thank God some do, but many do not. They are at fault for that. They're going to answer to God for that. If they're believers, they're unbelievers, they're going to hell anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just that simple. And you, you got to preach this because there's a window doctor saying ain't no hell. Ain't no torture. I'm like, guys, you think I'm doing this because we're all going to heaven? <laughs> you think I'm going to be standing here on Sunday morning preaching the gospel for all these years because we're all going to heaven? Okay. You think Jesus, the word of God, from eternity past, became flesh, lived as a human being, died on a cross, and went to hell, rose from the dead, because there is no hell. You got to be the biggest fool out there. You think people are being sent by God to foreign countries and given their life for the preaching of the gospel because there's no hell, because we're all going to heaven. If people would just use their mind sometimes, now I know why, and that's a little side journey, why people don't want to believe in hell, because it wrecks the human psyche. We cannot comprehend it. Guess what? You're not supposed to. Because you're not supposed to be going there. <laughs> hell was made for Satan and his angels. But those who rebel against God go with him. Guess what? Hell is not really your business. Human beings in their, in their pride feel like, I'm supposed to understand everything before I believe it. <laughs> Have you ever been to heaven? But you claim you're going there, right? Have you seen it? How you know you, how you know it exists? How you know you're going there? Hmm. The same Bible that said there's a heaven, the same Bible that said there's a hell. So if you can't believe in hell, then baby, you need to stop thinking about heaven. Hello. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for that. What you have to learn as a human being is humble yourself. As I heard somebody say on social media, humble down. You ain't God. You don't know everything. You ain't supposed to know everything. Just say what he says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe not and you shall be damned. That's it. End of story. Amen? Amen. The difference what your background is, who your parents is, what color you are, what culture you come from, it doesn't matter. Amen? All right. So Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me. Whereas there, was, there were none of them. In other words, God fashioned every day for you. The Bible even says in Ephesians 2 that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For what? Good for what? Good Which he preordained, yes. preordained that you should walk in them. So God has an order step. So what I'm doing today is not because my mama said you should be a preacher. She wasn't saying nothing about that. <laughs> when I got born again, she wasn't even saved. My grandmother wasn't saved. I got saved and Jesus called me to the ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. Because he has authority over my life above my mother, my daddy, and my grandma. Today, my dad, it won't be forever, but today my dad is a Muslim. 
and his son is a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking preacher. He's saying Allah, I'm saying Jesus. Amen. But he's going to get saved. Before he closes his eyes, he's going to say, Jesus, saves me. I've been saying that since I was a teenager. I'm 51 now, I'm still saying it. And he's still alive. He's the only living brother alive out of his brothers. There's only two, two more left. My aunt, and, and I led her to Christ, and my dad. That's the only two living. Your prayers do matter. So think destiny. Your question should be, Lord, why was I born? What do you want me to do? And every day you should be thinking about, am I living out my purpose or I'm just existing? All right. Two, we said last week, think deliverance. You are already delivered. Colossians 1.13. This is from the um, DLNT, who delivered us out of authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Then Galatians 1.4 we read, who gave himself, talking about Jesus, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So this present evil age means this world system. And so God the Father, who sits on the throne, he wanted you delivered from this present evil age. Not just when you got to heaven, right now. And there is a world system that is corrupt, that is ungodly, that is unholy. And God says, I want them delivered from it. So you have been delivered from it. Now the devil doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to believe that you're under his thumb. And that whatever I say happens, happens. Negro, please. You are free. Somebody say, I'm free. I'm free. And that's why you don't have to be afraid of anybody. Your boy says, we're going to fire you. Okay. You didn't make me. You ain't my God. You don't supply all my needs. You fire me, I get another job. And what? Amen. And if the Lord says no, I don't want them to fire you. You say, well, God told me you ain't, you ain't going to be able to fire me, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, I, I got the power. No, no, no. There's a power greater than yours. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said? There's a power greater than yours. You have to believe that he who is in you is greater than he was in the world. You have to believe that your God reigns. The Bible says in Isaiah 52 that there is coming a time when the people of God, the people of Zion, we're the people of Zion, would say your God reigns. And if you go up some verses, that's where it says there will be um, glad tidings of good news. And that all is well. This is the passage from which Paul took a piece of and put into Romans when he said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things, good news of good things. And then he goes on to talk about the gospel of peace. That's from Isaiah 52. And part of that, it says, your God reigns. Somebody say, my God reigns. My God reigns. So, 
people have used the word God is in control, which is good. Sometimes they use it wrong, but that's the concept. God is in control. God reigns. You're not going to stop me if God doesn't want you to stop me. Amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. Every tongue that rises against me shall be condemned. Hallelujah. Whoever rises against me shall fall for my sake. My God reigns. That's the kind of speech we need to have. That's the kind of things we need to be declaring. Amen. 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 Like I ain't worried about nothing and nobody. Who are you? Remember when David saw Goliath? He's just a little 17-year-old kid. And you got grown men who are men of war. They're afraid of Goliath. But the little 17-year-old kid who's singing songs all day and playing the violin, playing the harp, <laughs> And watching the little sheep. As the brother said, those little sheep, mind you, black Americans, you and your little friends, <laughs> those few sheep, they were black. <laughs> oh my gosh. Those little sheep, go, go back to that, you, that little insignificant thing. No, that insignificant one was the one that got anointed, was the one that got chose, the one who was brave enough and covenant minded. Because thinking was right to know that Goliath, I don't care how tall you are, you can be 11 feet, you don't matter. You're a nobody. I don't care your lineage comes from the angelic realm, you're a nobody in the light of the covenant people of God. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know what that came out of? His thinking, he was thinking covenant. He was thinking about who he was in God. He says, this is ridiculous. You're all running and crazy afraid. And that's how you have to think when it comes to any kind of circumstance. You gotta say, who are you? Oh, great mountain before Zerubbabel. Grace, grace to it. Amen, you gotta say every mountain that's in front of you're coming down. I'm not climbing up the rough side of the mountain. We climbing up the rough side. The devil is a liar. Do I look like Aunt Jemima's son? Climb up the rough side of the mountain. No, we speak to the mountain. Somebody back then didn't know Mark 11, 23. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. And it goes out your way. Not climb up the rough side of the mountain. No, no, no. Save rock climbing for sports. Amen. Amen. Think the word. You see Jesus climbing up the rough side of the mountain? Brothers, he left us an example that we should follow. Anything got in his way, he cast it out. Amen. He moved it out of his way. Amen. The Bible says he's left us an example that we should what? Follow. Not look at it and say, oh, look at Jesus. Me? No. Hello? Anything wrong in your body? You speak to it. What? What's going on here? She said, oh, she said, go. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> she said, nah, he said, she's definitely connected. Amen. She said, go. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I felt that. Hey, glory to God. Somebody shall go to your mountain. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whatever it is, you say go. Now, it sounds silly. But it's the foolish things that God has chosen to confound the wise. 
People gotten healed by just saying, be healed. Jesus didn't have a whole long speech to the sickness of the disease. He says, be healed. He told the demons, come out. He told the deaf, ears open. That's it. Within 10 minutes of speaking in tongues, he says, be opened. Boom, that's it, open. Little girl, I say to you, arise. That's the kind of authority he walked in because Jesus knew who he was. The Bible says he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He knew his identity. Do you know your identity? And if you, if you don't know, you need to learn it, and that's need to be on your mind. All the time. Somebody say, all the time. All the time. Glory to God. So think deliverance. So if you ever get into a jam, think, my God's going to get me out of it. I don't care what it is. Even if you got yourself into the jam. Lord, I got myself into this mess. I know, bozo, but I love you. I'm going to deliver you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Number three. Think, devour, and divide. We talked about that. About, um, we, we connected that to our message about us being the Benjamin generation and how um, Jesus is our heavenly Joseph, like Joseph in the Bible, and how um, God has blessed Benjamin in an incredible way. And we looked at Genesis 49, 27, when Jacob, the father of all these gentlemen, began to prophesy to each one of his sons, which represents the 12 tribes of Israel, and Benjamin, he said, is a ravenous wolf, Genesis 49, 27, is a ravenous wolf, in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil, which means that, um, let me interpret it this way, uh, Benjamin was going to be a tribe that would win the day. Somebody say win the day. Win the day. What does that mean? Make his money, be productive, live his best life now, and everything he got, he would share. And that's what the Bible is teaching us, even in the New Covenant. Go make your bag, go do your thing, go go on my might, go on my power, go take this world by force, and all the stuff you get, the money, the material, the influence, the power, use it to bless your brothers and sisters. That's the kingdom, in a nutshell. So I say, that's the kingdom. So when you find good schools for your kids, you share that with your fellow believers and family and community. Amen. Don't be like the rest of the world. Oh, I found this good school. We ain't telling them about it because we don't want their kids. You're a bum. <laughs> That's the best word for you, bum. Amen. I despise that kind of thinking because it's not kingdom. We're part of the same body. The Bible says one body. I know people want their kids to be better. And blah, blah. No, no, no. Your kids are not here to be better. We're all here to ascend. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, there's some kids, they have a greater aptitude than others. That's fine. But if you find something that can help somebody else, give it to them. Amen. You can help somebody get a job, help them get the job. Yes. Now, make sure there ain't no weirdos. Make you looking bad. Say, listen, bro. And you, you got to be... I'm the kind of guy, if I had something that can help you get a job, and you're a weirdo, I'd say, look, bro, you're my brother in Christ, but you're a weirdo. <laughs> so you change, and I'll help you get a job. You don't change, I ain't saying nothing. So I'm going to be like, what? Yeah, you're weird. You don't know how to talk to people. You act crazy. You just need to go get a class on something on how to act normal. That's the kind of person I am. Or you say, you're kind of lazy. So I'm not really going to recommend you, because you make me look bad. 
that's, that's speaking the truth in love. Amen. Don't just be doing things and make yourself look bad. Do things and talk to people, even if they don't really qualify. Talk to them and say, listen, I'd like to help you out, but you gotta, you got to change, man. That's how Jesus was. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and what? Truth. Full of grace and what? Truth. Now some of you like to be on the truth side a lot. But no grace. I'm like that sometimes. What? Does he say all the time? Okay. Well, you got to be like that all the time when somebody don't listen. Oh, oh, did I go there? Okay, let me go back to my sermon. <laughs> let me go back to my sermon. That's my sister, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Some of you are all grace, grace, grace. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Oh, no, no, no. You can't be like that because they'll never change. And then they'll persist in their wrongdoing and then they'll be judged. Truth and grace is important. You have to have both. God was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, and, the, and the bus is about to hit you. You're going to say, bro, get out the way. Hello? Get out the way. No, he stopped. Write this down. I told you to write this down last week. Write this down again. If you don't think, devour and divide. With the Benjamin generation, that's how we're supposed to think. You're going to live a weak and wounded life. Let me add, you're going to live a weak and selfish life. But I really wanted to say that. You're going to live a weak and a wounded life. God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, they do not want you living a weak and a wounded life. That's what the Bible says. Let the weak say I'm what? Let the poor say I'm what? Yes, you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You got to say I'm redeemed. You got to say I'm free. You got to say I'm here to conquer and to take over and to share my wealth and to share my power and to share my influence with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why the Bible says do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. So look out for everybody. God loves the whole world, but especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you're going to feed the world. Make sure you're feeding your brothers and sisters in Christ if they need help. Don't be giving groceries to somebody in Timbuktu and your friend right here don't got nothing. Hello? Amen. People like to give to the world, but they don't give home. We know the statement. Charity begins where? Home. Praise God. Amen. Number four. This is going to be the last point, but I was at home worshiping, praising the Lord, having a good time with Jesus. Until we get a worship team, I have my own worship time at home. You should do the same thing. Amen. You'll come here more excited like me. So I'm praising the Lord. Blah, 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 blah. And the Lord said, that last point, make it the, the next point when you start the new part. I said, okay, no problem. Think differently. Number four, think differently. Talking about your thinking matters. And I'm telling you how you should think. Think differently. Unity is not conformity. Unity, not conformity. That's what God wants. Write this down. He's created us all different, and different is okay. 
But if you don't understand that fundamentally you'll practice conformity instead of unity. This is why the Bible says in Romans 12 2, and do not be what? Conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody say, I'm being transformed. I'm being transformed. Even as I'm teaching you now, you're being transformed. You're being fed the word of God, but you're also, your mind is being renewed. You know, um, renewal is not just getting new information. Renewal is saying, Lord, I receive what Pastor Maurice is saying. I take this other thought, I remove it, and I replace it with this thought. Because if you don't renew your mind, you're still going to just have more information and still be dirty. Picture. When a baby craps on themselves, right? We have a baby right there. You can smell the stink. Am I right? Am I right? Okay, has anybody seen a baby? Okay. What do we do? Change their diaper. But that's not all we do. What do we do? We clean the crap up. It'll be really weird. For you to put a new diaper on a baby that's crapped on themselves. People are like, okay, call Creedmoor. We've got, a, we've got another one going. <laughs> but we do that with the Bible. More information, more information, more information, but we stay the same. We don't clean up the wrong stinking thinking. Because it's an idol to us. Oh, my God. I've been thinking this way for 20 years. And that's why you're Change your thinking, bro. Sis. See those old school churches, old school saints? Well, we've been doing this. That's the problem. Y'all been doing it. Because no one's changing their thinking. No one's renewing their mind. No one's removing the crap, the sticking, thinking the cobwebs, and putting on nice baby powder and a nice new uh, pepper. Clean your thinking up. Some of you have some great thinking, but some of you, you're thinking that is crappy. It's like dung. Hello, somebody. All men are bad. That's sticking thinking. Woman, man, the way Kevin Samuels, the late Kevin Samuels would talk, you think women are disgusting. He has stinking, stinking thinking. That's not how Jesus thinks about women. That's not how Jesus thinks about men. Your job is not to think like you want to think. Your job, what did Paul say? Let this mind be in you that was also in who? Christ Jesus. It's all about humility. But that goes for everything. When it comes to money, when it comes to genders, let this mind be in you. The reason why I can't accept transgenderism because it's not the mind of Christ. Amen. Jesus himself said he made the male and what? Female. Amen. Not transgender. Amen. Oh, I feel like a woman. You can feel all you want to. That's a demon. Amen. 
America has stopped talking about demons, some of us. And that's why people don't understand. It's a demon. Oh, I felt like this since I was two. It's a demon. Demons bother children. <laughs> you ever see poltergeist? Girl turned, you know. <laughs> she looked at the TV. You ever seen the teenage girl, the other one? The girl turned her head? <laughs> I don't know why we was watching those horror movies back then. But anyway. Yeah, demons get into children. They like getting into children. Because they can train them. I wish we'd tell the world, I wish, oh man, God knows. I, I got to hold Maurice back a little bit. I got on TV and say, you got a demon in you. You had a demon since you were three. That's when you started thinking like that. Feel like, I feel like a woman. How can you have a penis and feel like a woman? How can you have a vagina and feel like a man? Doesn't make no sense. Not even common sense. This is what's interesting. The world follows science for everything else. But now when it comes to this, they ain't following science. <laughs> Fake! <laughs> Fraud! Here's what Jesus said. Hypocrites! Amen. If you're going to follow the science for everything else, follow the science for... Because if I follow the science, I have to say, I'm sorry, bro, you're not a girl. I'm sorry, babe. You're not a man. Your chromosomes... Tell another story. Oh, I know you got the breast. I know you got the operation. I know you cut it off. I know you added it on. I know you did all that. But your DNA still says, man. Amen. Your DNA still says, woman, because you can't change your DNA. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> what does that mean? God is saying there's some things you can do, but there's some things you can't do. Amen. I'm still God of all this creation. Y'all can chop it up, add it on, but I'm God. I'm God. I made the flesh. Remember that guy? You remember that guy? Um, now, I don't know. I haven't fact checked this, but the guy who died, Stephen Hawking, who died, who was very crippled. I'm not mocking him, but I'm trying to give you an example of who he was. I heard that he was trying to find a way. He was trying to understand creation and trying to feel that we can create our own world. Anybody heard about it? it was, was that true about him? I heard he was really crazy. What it was is the devil got into his mind and made him think that, so the guy's getting more crippled and more crippled. Instead of trying to get well, you're still trying to disprove God. And you died a crippled and you went to hell. That's the deception of Satan. Somebody say deception. He will make you think you're smart. And in the end, you're going to wake up with your eyes in hell and like, I'm the biggest fool that ever existed. Remember what, what Jesus said in that parable with the rich man of Lazarus? He says, you fool. I like the King James Version. Thou fool. <laughs> you didn't even know that your soul required of you today. You spent your whole life gathering more money and more money and more money. And that's the wrong money. We preach money here. More money and more money. But you have done nothing with your destiny, your purpose, with God. You've treated the poor bad. You're going to go to hell. You're a fool. That's what Jesus said. What? He, he said, let me just ask you a question, human beings. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then to lose his soul. Does that make any sense? No, you're, you're, you're like dumb. 
You're deceived. I don't say that's you. I'm talking about the world, the way they think. As anybody here thinks like that, you need to change that real quick. So a lot of people are going to hell because they've entered into a deception. And they think they're smart. You're not 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 smart. The Bible says that people are caught up into what Jesus called it the deceitfulness of riches. Do you have money? Now, you may think, well, we ain't no billionaires up in here, no billionaires up here. Honey, 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 honey. Linda, 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 Linda. Know that little kid? Linda, 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 Linda. Let me tell you something. A lot of poor people think about money all the time. They're always trying to get money. It's not just rich people. This is poor people too. This is middle class people too. Don't be deceived by the love of money. Get money. Get that bag. But you better not love it. I like money a lot. I want a lot of it. And the living God knows. We had a lot of talks about it. And I'm like, yo, where's this money at, man? And he's like, all right. (laughs) But he knows I don't love it. I can give it all away. Because I know that he will give me more. It means nothing. Um, We have certain financial needs as a church. But I found in my heart to give a certain amount of money to a certain preacher. And I just did it. They were like, wow. And then I took some of my money and gave them the same amount I gave from the church. They would say, oh my God. I said, yeah, this is the blessing of the Lord. The Lord had put something in my heart when I was in, in the shower. which He loves to talk to me in the shower. <laughs> and um, he was blown away. Now, the mind, the flesh will say, you got your own needs. You have payroll to me. You got things going on in the church. Why would you do this? Because my thinking has been renewed. There is no shortage. And God knows how to get money to win a church. There are people that get to our church that don't even set foot into this building. I'm talking about $5. I'm talking about $1,000, $400, $500. God will do it with or without your cooperation. Because I understand that, I can release my faith in him. I said, now, Lord, you got to multiply the seed back. And he will do it. Already, the seed that I sowed um, into this person, I said, oh, yo, um, you good ground, because I already got some of that back. (laughs) Same day. So I went shopping. um, And um, I got some I'm going to tell you, I got some faith clothes. You know what faith clothes are? You know what faith clothes are, right? Kitty, you know what faith clothes are? It means you're smaller. I was going to get something to wear today. I was like, bump that. I'm going to really get smaller. Amen. I rebuke you, devil. Yeah. I will not stay. So I got like two sides smaller. So they, they're sitting in my house. They're going to be on this body. You're going to see. Yeah. So, Amen. You're laughing. That's okay. You can laugh. 
They can laugh. It's all right. So, um, at DXL, that's the big guy store. <laughs> they have rewards. That's why I'm going to take a shot right now. That's rewards. That's, that's one of the biggest reasons. I just don't want to shop at that store ever again. Oh, Lord. One day in my life, I escaped them, and then they got me back. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't go to DXL no more. Then, lo and behold, they got me back. Anyway, so you sort of get these rewards when you spend a lot of money. I spend a lot of money because they cost a lot of money for the big guys' clothes. Especially because it's name, I buy, I buy name brand stuff. I don't buy the, I don't buy Harper Bay, sorry. <laughs> so I was noticing, I'm not, I'm not getting my rewards. What's going on? I said, oh, so I, I was complaining every time I go to one of the ones, I'll go to one in Manhattan, the one in Carl Place, or the one in Brooklyn. Oh, man, I'm supposed to have rewards. I'm just complaining every time I get there. Like they're going to do, they, they would always tell me, oh, you're going to call, you got to call, you got to call. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to call, I'll call. But then again, so I was at the one in Manhattan, and the manager, we cool. I've been going there for years. So he's like, I said, yo, I can't believe I got these rewards. This is my typical complaint, and I know I ain't going to do nothing about it. <laughs> he says, let me call for you. I was like, what? Favor. So the manager calls for me. So this is Angel from Joseph. I have a guest here who, blah, 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 hasn't been getting his rewards. I said, okay, what's his number? Look it up. They was like, okay, we'll be back. So it was taking a little bit of time. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to get like $60 back. He's like, well, it's taking a kind of long, so I think you're going to get a lot more. I was like, what? So the girl comes back on and says, oh, we, we, we've done it. We're going to give Mr. Johnson $150. And we're going to give him more. We're going to go look some more because it looks like there's more money that we owe him. And, but we're going to give him this 150 right now. Wow, Won't he do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, man, you got a free pair of jeans. I was like, exactly. So I got $150 off of my thing. Now, why do you think that that's a return? Maybe it just was going to be something. No, 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 no. I know how the Lord works. And if it was, but I just know the favor of God is working. Because I've been talking about this for months, and nobody did nothing, I did nothing, and then something was finally done. Because I sowed a seed, so they got part of my, my thing back. You can never outdo God in giving. And there's more coming to me, to you. Amen? But your mind has to be renewed. You have to think in line with the word. That when I give, his favorite scripture, it shall be what? Given back to me. Good measure, what? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you're not thinking like that, you're going to think, I can't give this money because I have a bill to pay. Trust me, we have bills to pay. And I gave a significant amount of money to this preacher yesterday. Amen. It doesn't matter to me. Because there's no shortage in the earth. Yes. Hallelujah. Somebody say, there's no shortage. In the earth. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Think differently than the world. The world says, get all you can, amen, and then sit on the can. <laughs> Jesus says, give, and it'll be given back to you. Now, we don't see this in the Gospels, but they come back and ask and say, the Lord said. 
because there's a lot of things he, he did and said that were not recorded. He said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's not in the Gospels, but it's in the book of Acts. He said, they said, Jesus said that. It's more blessed to give than it is what? He didn't say there's nothing wrong with receiving. He said, but if you want to be empowered, you really want to keep this cycle going, be a giver. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, cast your seed, amen, on every wave. Hallelujah. Every time you can give, give. Even if it looks like people who are stingy are getting more than you. Oh, come on. You, you all know the story with the bunny rabbit and the turtle. <laughs> or the, or the roadrunner. Remember the roadrunner and, and, and the turtle? Roadrunners keep going, going, and the turtle still gets there before him, going slow. The reality is, don't look at people. Don't look at what people are doing. Don't look at the stingy people. Even um, King David went through that. He says, yo, look at the evil prospering. So what? God's like, mind your business about what they're doing. Let's focus on what I'm telling you to do. Be my covenant people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about it. When God told Israel to tithe in Malachi, was the other kings and everybody tithing? Were they tithing? Were they giving of their substance? Were those kings prosperous? Yes or no? Yes, they were. There were kings and kingdoms that were great. What did it do with what God is saying to you? Okay, parents. Johnny don't do it. Johnny's mama. Uh, 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 excuse me. You mothers know. You black mothers know. Am I Johnny's mother? Is this Johnny's house? They say what? In this house, this is what we do. If you look at the world, you're going to doubt this book. If you look at what's going on, you're going you're to start questioning things. It's not your business. One of the things, the greatest thing you can do with your mind, mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. Oh, so-and-so got cancer and they died. Okay, what did I do with you and Jesus? The Bible says, look and live. Look to him and live. Amen. A lot of people have died in September, and more people are going to die. This is the season where a lot of people die. Anybody notice that? I've been on Facebook. I've seen a lot of preachers have died. Young. Let me tell you a little, little side. We're going to finish. little side. Some people don't believe this, but this is the time when the, the sheep are being examined. We're coming upon the day of atonement, and the rod of God, and the sheep are being expected. Your life is being expected. And God is full of mercy. Yes. And many of you are alive because of his mercy. He told Bobby Connor, his great prophet, you stand by, because of my grace. He told that to his face. Guess what? That's for the whole body of Christ. Amen. Some of you should have been dead. You just disobeying God, disobeying God, disobeying, doing things your way. Just come on to heaven, man. <laughs> Come on to heaven, chick. You, you're just messing up the whole thing. Making my name look bad. Living an unsanctified life. Looking crazy. Acting crazy. Angels are looking at you like, what the? <laughs> is she doing? What is he? You think angels just turn their head when you're sinning? Oh, we can't see this. No, they're, they're looking. And they want to take that sword and smite you. <laughs> because you're disrespecting their Lord. 
but oh, the mercy of God, the grace of God. The Bible says the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are upon all his works. You've been getting the sure mercies of David. You know, David messed up, but God didn't kill him. I should kill you, but I won't kill you. You deserve death for what you've done. But I've put away your sin. And the Bible says through the sacrifice of Jesus, our sin has been put away. Hallelujah. So there's forgiveness. Somebody say, thank you for forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. But God is calling you to think differently. Change your thinking. Stop being so proud and thinking the way you want to think. Think differently. So I say, think differently. Think differently. So preachers, you see there was a group of people right there. They came in, then they left, right? Some preachers in some churches, they'll be like, oh, how dare you leave my service? Because they're caught up into their own selves. Oh, they probably didn't like the service. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they had to know how to go. Maybe they didn't like it, but who cares? Amen. When you think differently, you're not moved by anything. Yeah. Paul said, none of these things, what? Move me. Somebody gave you a frown. Maybe they had a bad day. There's a guy in my neighborhood, real conceited, man. One day he's saying hi, next day he's like, uh, like, I'm like, what is something up your butt or something? Like, what is wrong with you? But what you do is you ignore it and say, God bless him. And you pray for them and you just bless them in Jesus' name. You think differently. You don't think, you don't do things. Look, one of my neighbors would come to our church. After the pandemic, she stopped going to church. She's saved, she's spirit-filled, she lives right next door to me. I'm going to treat her differently because she ain't coming to church. She ain't coming to my church. We're still cool. We're neighbors. We love each other. You got to think differently. Don't think like the world. The world will be like, oh, forget you. Like, what? There's a Korean guy. lives on my floor. You know how Koreans can be. Sorry for the stereotype. <laughs> so he, he uh, wasn't talking to people. Even some neighbors like, yeah, that man, get on he don't talk to nobody. I know, I expect the same thing. He'd go on the elevator, act like he don't know who you are. <laughs> Good morning, hi. Now, now, he found out I speak in tongues. He won't talk to me all the time now. He's like, hey, hey, hey. Oh, you know, something happened to me. Bro, I'm about to get in an Uber and you're trying to stop, you're stopping me right in front of the door and the Uber's right there. I got to go, I'll talk to you later. I'm just so frustrated. Now you want to give me all your feelings. But you know why he did that? Because I always said hi to him. No matter what, always talk to him. Jesus said, say hello to those who don't talk back to you. Amen. He says, because if you don't, you're no better than the sinner. You're only giving what you get. I want you to go the extra mile. But if you think like the world, I gotta have my respect. You don't talk to me, I don't talk to you. Is that the Bible? That's the flesh. That's hip-hop culture. That ain't Jesus culture. 
Because Jesus was greatly disrespected. How are you my disciple? You come to me telling me what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. Peter, I will slap your face. <laughs> Peter did crazy stuff. How are you going to deny me three times? And I look at you when you're doing it. Just like you see how I'm standing here and Tony's right there. The Bible says in the book of I think it's Luke, not all the versions do it, or all the gospels do it. But Luke said Jesus was in that hall, and when, a, and, when the, and when the rooster crowed three times, he turned and he looked right at Peter. Man, can you imagine? Jesus like looked at you. Whoa, I would have ran out too. Ah, crying and getting crazy. I told you it was going to happen. Because Peter was boastful. Oh, if all deny you, I won't. And Jesus says, uh, you don't think differently yet. Yes, you will. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to deny me three times. And the cruise is going to crawl. No, I don't think so, Jesus. You're wrong about this one. No, I'm right. He forgot. According to the circumstance, got fearful. And he denied him three times. The one who said, I will never do it. Never say never. Just say, I won't do it by the grace of God. If you're going to say never, add the, by the grace of God. Joseph Prince was teaching his beautiful daughter about, you know, living right and righteously. And she, he said, she said, oh, daddy, I will never do that. He said, don't you dare say that. He says, don't ever say that. Say, I won't do it by the grace of God. Because it's not you that empowers you to live holy and righteously. It's God's grace. Amen. 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 Here's the CEV version of Romans 12 2. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. That's nice, right? That's a contemporary English version. I'm going to read it again. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. ICB. I think this stands for the International Children's Bible. Don't be shaped. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. And you will be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. This is the Phillips translation. I love this one. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands and moves towards the good of true maturity. I like that. And the world is going to squeeze you into this mold. It's going to attempt to squeeze you into this mold. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we were once people, they call them, the Bible calls us, they called us when we we're sinners, children of disobedience. And that's what it says, who walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the ear. Anybody remember reading that in Ephesians 2? If you don't read, you don't remember, read it. Ephesians 2. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the ear. 
What does a course of this world mean? It means that the, the world is always on a course. Every decade, every generation, there's a certain way that people do things. You see, okay, so let me give you an example. You see Jeff here? Can I take your hat off, please? Thank you. Thank you. You see his hat? Now, years ago, they didn't keep the sticker on. But then there come a generation that kept the sticker on. You know why Jeff has a sticker on? Because of the world. If nobody was doing this, the sticker wouldn't be here. Everybody's like, bro, why you have the sticker on? You look stupid. But this looks cool. So that's why it's there. It's called, thank you. That's called the course of this world. There's nothing wrong with that because it's not sinful. Uh, you see, um, okay, I can come with the name. Thank you. My God. Let me preach. Thank you. Daryl. Daryl is a old school hip hop guy. You know my thing? Do you mind me telling your age? This guy, he just turned 58 a few days ago. Praise the Lord. This guy looks young, right? But the culture he grew up in and the things he's around in the community is hip-hop oriented. And also there was a season, I don't know, Patrick told, told me, even in Brooklyn, there was the um, uh, um, Ralph Lauren crew. Yeah, Lowlife. Low, low life. okay. Oh, he's part of it, okay. They're all they wear is Ralph Lauren. So all Daryl wears, it's kind of weird. <laughs> nah. But all this 58-year-old man wears is Ralph Lauren. She can't keep up. <laughs> That's the truth. Her money ain't there yet. It's, it's getting there, but it ain't there yet. So he, he, he buys his own stuff. <laughs> Amen. So Ralph Lauren, that's the course of this world. Now, for some parts of our culture, Ralph Lauren is like played. So you won't see people like this gentleman. What's your name again? No, seriously, what's your name? Yeah, from serious. Alex, thank you. When you're flowing in the anointing, you don't remember everything like that. That's all, that's all natural stuff. I don't care about your name. Alex doesn't wear Ralph Lauren, am I correct? Yeah, because that's his generation. You see the course of this world? Remember in the 1920s, they called it the Roaring Twenties? Remember the way they dressed and the way they looked? Did anybody dress like that now? No. Now things do repeat. You see, now I saw one pastor, he's like older. Remember we was watching the pastor's conference on, online? Um, Pastor John Hanna, he had this big shirt on. So I guess that's a new thing. These big shirts. I'm like, what is going on here? All right. So there's different things that are going to work. Now that's just clothes and fashion. But it, but it also goes for sexuality. Hello? Back in the day, if you was a homosexual, you hit it. Today, you get married publicly. And there's 300 people at your wedding. Back in the day, if you're a homosexual preacher, you hit it. Today, they're called first gentlemen. She's looking like, what? Yeah, you can catch up, girl. <laughs> Pastors marrying their husband, and he's a gentleman. And the church ain't five people and ten people. They got hundreds. First gentlemen. And some of them are Pentecostal. Demonic of the highest order. Back in the day, well, you're not going to like this part, but I'm going to still say it. And I'm not pinpointing nobody, I'm just saying it because it's in the world system. So it comes into the church. Back in the day, you don't go on vacation with your boyfriend. Today, even born-again spiritual people are going on vacation with their boyfriend. 
Oh, why? What's the problem? We ain't doing nothing. All right. <laughs> and my name is Colonel Sanders. That started Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and let's say you're not doing something. There's a scripture that people have failed to obey. Avoid the appearance of evil. You represent the kingdom. Even if it's not evil, if it looks evil, don't do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Pastor, I got my schedule vacation with my boyfriend, uh, so you you have to preach that again. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll preach it again. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Go ahead. Have fun in Aruba. I'm going to preach it again. I know some of you are going to still say, I, I got over that. The Lord reminded me at home when I'm angry and ah, going through, like, I'm like, like, a, like, a, like a, what are those, those things? You know, like, like a metamorphosis. I'm like screaming. Ah! Jesus looking at me like, would you stop? <laughs> Keyword, my sheep. Not yours. All right, no problem. Let me go on vacation somewhere. <laughs> mm. but that, what that also means is when the Lord does speak to me I may be rebuking you to your face because he does speak one time there was a guy in our church who wasn't working I left him alone but after two years the Lord spoke to me I could feel I always say this I could feel his anger deal with him now according to my word Told his parents. Parents said, oh yeah, he needs deliverance. Told the dad and the mother, don't say nothing. We will talk to him. Dad being disobedient to the man of God, he told his son, oh, they're going to meet you about this. So he comes to the meeting angry. Me and Pastor Ernst met with him. He wasn't working. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says also if you don't work in, a, in you in a church, you're walking disorderly among the community. He was pressing to go out with us, be with us, all that kind of stuff. And... Um, I think people think that I'm afraid of them. I'm not. If I release Maurice, none of you will be here. Probably Pastor Fabian, Pastor Patrick, Pastor Josh. He almost was gone, you know. If I released Maurice, most of the time you don't see Maurice. You see Jesus. Sometimes Maurice comes out, but I bring him back in. Come, come back in. Close the closet up. You're dead. I'm not afraid of anybody. My mother knows it. My father knows it. My sister definitely knows it. My niece knows it. I told my niece the other day, she was acting a little, whatever, something funny at my house. There was nothing big. I said, do you understand? My name is not Linda. Darren, that's her grandmother. Niasia, that's her mother. You know I'm not afraid of you, right? She said, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. Don't you gotta let these, these young adults know. This is my house, Negro. I will kick you out. And I have kicked them her out. Even her daughter says, oh, uncle kicked us out. <laughs> uncle called us bums. <laughs> sure did. Get out. It's late. I don't want to see you no more. I'm getting on my nerves. 
So anyway, so this gentleman, me and Pastor Ernst met with him. Pastor Ernst used to be a pastor. He has his own church now in Brooklyn. And I said, you're not, you're, you're, you're walking in sin now. And the Lord told me to deal with you. So we're having this meeting. And I told his brother, his brother said, yeah, we got to do something about it. I said, don't worry, the Lord's going to do something about it. Two years, let it go. I said, you've been working for two years. Oh, I've been working. Uh, I did this. I, did. I said, no, no, if we put it all together for two years, you have not been working. I said, you're among us, you eat with us, you hang with us, you're cool with us, all that. But you're in sin and the Lord is ready to deal with you. I said to this young man, I said, if I was to get, uh, 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 what's the thing, sniper, and tell you that if you don't get a job in seven days, I'm going to kill you. You won't know where it's coming, but you're gonna be dead on the seventh day if you don't have a job. I promise you, you that you have a job. He's arguing, he's mad, he's angry, he's even crying and all that stuff. And I said, well, this is what the word says. I read him scriptures from Timothy, all these scriptures. And I said, this was going to happen. He was never used to this. I've known him since he was a little kid, a young, young, young man. And I said, this is going to happen. You're going to, I'm going to give you, I think I told him a month or three months. I forgot how many times, how much longer. I think I gave him a month or three months. You're going to have a job in a month or three months. I think it was three months. If you don't have a job in three months, you, will not, you, will never serve in, you won't serve in this church anymore. You're welcome to come, but you will not go out to eat with us. You will not do anything within the fellowship. And if any of you and your friends defy what I'm saying, I will kick you out of my church. And he was like, oh, you want? Jesus has spoken and I'm his representative. We prayed, we hugged, and he went away angry. Told his girlfriend, Pastor Marisa, he's right. Within one week, he had a job. He has been working ever since, is married with two kids, and still working, taking care of his wife and his kids. Because we applied the Bible. The world says, oh, no, 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 we're going to do what the Bible says. And deliverance came. There was a girl who worked with me, worked for me. She was really good. One of the best administrators I ever had. I had a young man in my church who was a thief, who lived with me for seven years, but he was stealing from the church. He stole before, and then he changed, got filled with the Holy Ghost and everything, living right, then went back into his ways. He, was, he, has a, he had a really rough life, abandoned by his family because he was biracial by his Italian family. And um, he's probably gonna listen to this. So hear this. I'm giving you a short version. Lived on the street because his mother died of cancer when he was very young. And his family abandoned him. Horrible story. If I give you the details, you'd be like, oh my God. So he became a street thug, you know? We met him and he came into my life. Oh my goodness, turn my life upside down. <laughs> Sheltered Maurice, learned a lot. God was stealing like left and right, man. <laughs> and, but he was a good, good, good young man and, and good things were deposited to him. Today, he's living an amazing life. He's married, he lives upstate and he's been working for a long time and he's living a productive life. Thank you, Jesus, amen? amen. He listened to all of my sermons. He said, you're probably the only one I listen to. And anyway, so I, he goes to church sometimes up where he lives. So anyway, um, um, what was I saying?
oh yeah, so there's a lady who worked for me. So he was working for me too, but I noticed we had a job full of change that kept going down, down, down. <laughs> and I said, this guy's stealing again. And of course, and then I fired him, but we still have him around. And then there was some kind of rehearsal going on and he stole something from some girl. I said, okay, that's it. You done, bro. Had a meeting with him, Pastor Ernst. Now he is in love with me because he's been living with me for seven years. So I'm, fi I'm kicking him out the church. And he's mad at Pastor Ernst. Pastor Ernst ain't even saying nothing. Yo, what you looking at, man? Because he can't put his anger on me because he knows I'm not afraid of him. And he knows that I've been too good to him for him to be angry to me. So he's looking at Pastor Ernst. This is so funny. And I'm like, what are you mad at him for? I'm the one kicking you out. He just hears a witness. Oh, he just looked the way he's looking, the way he's sitting. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Be mad at yourself. You can no longer come to the church. That's it. End of story. Bye-bye. I love you. He left. And he's kicked out. He's banned from our church. I have to protect the sheep. We can let you stay for a little bit, but eventually we have to protect the sheep. And he turned around. Turned around. Turned around. We're not afraid of anybody. I've kicked them out. As small as the church is, I still kick people out. Don't think you're getting away with anything. If Jesus speaks to me, I will confront you to your face. Doesn't make a difference who you are. Think differently. Bring your life in line before the pastor or somebody else has to talk to you. The Lord gives a lot of mercy, a lot of grace. But eventually, somebody say eventually, he's going to deal with you. It doesn't make a difference who you are. You could be the pastor. Eventually, he's going to deal with you. Amen. Amen. Wives. Oh, I feel the prophetic right now. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything. That's what the Bible teaches. Not girlfriends. Wives. Because some boyfriends want their, their girlfriends submitting to them like they're their wife. Negro, please. And because we're in church, I didn't say the other word. You know I would, but for the sake of the people. Wives, submit to your husbands. Nobody wants to say that today, but I'm not afraid. I don't care. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Not as you want to love them. Not as your dad loved your loved his wife, not as the culture tells you to love your wife, as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Nourish and cherish her. Now, if you don't want to do that, don't get married. Well, I got to get my sex on. No, you... Too many Christian men want women for sex and not to serve them. Sex is a byproduct of service. Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last, got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. If the Lord of glory 
got on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. Who are you? Not to serve your wife, your children, your community, your church. Who are you? Now, this is the word to the both the husbands and the wife. Amen. Stay in unity. So your prayers won't be hindered. Amen. I'm going to tell them your business, but I want to say something. So this is one of our beautiful, perfect couples. <laughs> but Joanna is not totally perfect. <laughs> but she's gorgeous and lovely and amazing. But I was talking to him. He was having a little, you know, feelings about something. And I said, at the end of the day, and the feelings weren't, weren't illegitimate, they were correct. But I, she, she said they were valid. But I said, at the end of the day, your job is to keep unity in the home. Amen. I said, whatever, whatever's going on, I said, do not get bitter. If you get bitter, you're going to mess it up. And the devil's going to come in. And I spoke to her already, too. She already hurt my mouth. <laughs> But I talked to him and I told him, you're the head of the house. Cover this situation, deal with it. Because he got into the, uh, I don't care no more. I said, uh-uh, don't do that. You're going to miss it and you're going to open the door for the devil. Amen. Is that correct? 100%. 100%. And because he's not a fool, Amen. the Bible says a fool doesn't listen to instruction. Yeah. He said, Pastor, you're correct. Okay, I got it. There was something he did with her that I thought was inappropriate. And I spoke to him. And he says, you're right, I was wrong. And that was it. And that's how they keep their prayers answered. That's how they stay in abundance. Because they got a lot of money. <laughs> they got a nice house, like the best house on the block in Union, New Jersey. They both got two cars. Amen. Amen. They're, they, they, they got an investment that they made. They made a lot of money already. Still making money? Mm-hmm. Thousands. They plan to come back to New York City. Live in a big house somewhere in Long Island. Yay. At the point in time. And they both got great jobs and they keep getting promotions and more money and more money and more money. Amen. Jeff, I'm giving all his business. Jeff used to be married. He, he was, he's a divorcee that got married again. The favor guys on his life so much that him and his ex-wife are like this. And his wife has no problem with it. And his daughter, who, you know, you know divorced kids, they go through stuff. Whatever happened, got fixed mm-hmm. by the grace of God. All that grace and all that blessing on their life will be destroyed if there's division. And that's why I spoke to him, I spoke to her, so that the devil will not get in between. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God for that. With that said, man, I've been talking a lot. Man, I could talk. Yo, you know what? I, I think the Lord made a mistake and made me a pastor in America. Why do you put me over in some foreign country where they sit for hours and hear the guy talk? I'm not the perfect guy for that. Jeff, this is the segue now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That was good, Lord. 
Give your testimony. Hear the testimony to give. Amen. I'm done preaching. I have another. I have a testimony too to give.